Mobile business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks higher for an eighth day as the latest batch of economic data adds to optimism about the U.S. economy ahead of tomorrow morning's jobs report. European markets got a boost after Catalans were said to stall their push for independence. Spain's Ibex index up today by 2.5%. S&P 500 index up 13 to 25.51, up 5 tenths of 1%. The Dow up 107 points, up 5 tenths of 1%. NASDAQ also at a record along with the S&P and the Dow up 50, a gain there of 8 tenths of 1%. The 10-year down 7.30 seconds, yield 2.35%. Gold down 6.55 the ounce to 12.68, a drop of 5 tenths of 1%. West Texas Intermediate Crude up 1.5% to 50.75 a barrel. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. All right, Charlie, thank you so much. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets. Carol Master along with Corey Johnson. It is 348 on Wall Street. It is time for the Bloomberg ETF report. Here is Julie Hyman. The race for the first Bitcoin ETF has been thrown into a tailspin. Here to explain is Eric Balchunas of Bloomberg Intelligence. Eric, uh, what's going on here? This is a very hot area. Everybody wants to get in, but there's a snag. Right. So when the Winklevoss twins filed uh, four years ago was to track Bitcoin physically like GLD. Now there's been this new wave of issuers who have come in to try to track Bitcoin futures. The problem is those futures aren't even out yet. They're way jumping, jumping the gun. And the SEC told them that. It said, withdraw all your filings. Wait till the futures trade on the CBOE and then you can file for that ETF. But the, the reason people are so excited is because whoever's out first – is likely to get a billion dollars in assets. This is a hot area. A lot of people don't want to necessarily go set up for a Bitcoin account, but they'll buy a fund. And so if you add up the assets and other products, it's about a billion. And there's hardly any such thing as a sure thing in new ETF launches, but Bitcoin is the closest thing to it. So this race is something we're watching closely, and we'll see who wins. But they'll have to wait for those futures, Eric, it sounds like. With the Bloomberg ETF Report, I'm Julie Hyman. Amazon in a whole different world right now in the friendly skies, but not so friendly for UPS and FedEx with Amazon uh, entering into a new business to kind of take some business away from UPS and FedEx and the U.S. Postal Service. Spencer Soper broke that amazing story from Bloomberg News today. Uh, Spencer, uh, tell us what business – what what because Amazon has been delivering uh, packages and planes for a while. They've been delivering packages to customers with their own trucks and their own fleet for a while. What's new here? Uh, the big news here is that Amazon is going beyond its own, like, warehouse system into the, you know, warehouses or manufacturing plants of its, uh, you know, inventory suppliers. So when we think of Amazon's growth, right, they've built warehouses all over the country and they use those as these distribution centers and shipping hubs. Um, and so the shift here is that they're actually going to go to the warehouse facilities of their partners. These are like, you know, third-party merchants selling on Amazon's platform. Rather than bringing that inventory into Amazon's own facilities and distributing from there, they're going to skip that step and go directly to the facilities of these third-party uh, partners and still make that delivery with a, you know, a two-day pledge. Spencer, I think about your story um... – Wait, did you have a story? I'm trying to think. I feel like, you know, right, we've known this has been coming, right? I mean, what is the end game here for Amazon? 
Well, what investors are reacting to is that Amazon could ultimately uh, be a third-party courier like UPS or FedEx. You know, if it if it brings this out of its own facilities to its inventory partners, a logical next step could be that it's uh, stuff that isn't even ordered on on Amazon is ordered elsewhere, and it's going out and and handling uh, logistics and delivery of of that stuff as well beyond its own warehouse system. So that's I think that's the ultimate. Uh, end game that, that a lot of investors see and are, are reacting to. You know what it reminds me though? If I can just jump in. I remember doing some, some work with, with, um, UPS. I mean, they were handling logistics for other companies, cell phone companies, pharmaceutical companies. They were being like the company that would deliver out. And it's interesting to see Amazon move into this. Yeah, and Amazon is even doing that uh, now uh, within yeah. its own within its own warehouses and systems. So you could buy something from you know uh, Joe'sAutoParts.com, and it could come in an Amazon box from an Amazon facility. So they're already doing that now within their own warehouse distribution system. And the significance here is that they're experimenting with moving outside of that system and still taking on the last mile of delivery. Amazon lost $7.2 billion in shipping costs last year. Um, and and uh, I talked to uh, Ravi De, uh, um, Shankar from uh, Morgan Stanley, who covers uh, the big shippers. And he did some uh, modeling of sort of what Amazon's costs are, what UPS's costs are, and principally about being non-union. He thinks that Amazon could uh, uh, save about 30% over what UPS's, UPS's costs are. <laughs> But more specifically, that, that shipping could go from a loss leader to a profitable part of Amazon's business. Uh, uh, about, it was about 5% of revenues last year, uh, shipping costs were to Amazon. So take away those shipping losses and Amazon goes from being barely profitable to being actually pretty profitable. Yeah, if, and, and again, if they just keep getting uh, scale, 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 they're growing to such a point where you know, if, if, even if they're just narrowing the losses, um, it's uh, – uh, can be it, it, you're exactly right instead of a drain and an addition to their to their bottom line so okay do they have to be worried about ups do they have to be worried about fedex kind of coming back or it's not even a fair competition i i it, not near term i mean these companies are still very reliant on one another near near term mm-hmm. you know but but amazon has distinguished itself and differentiated itself on on this two-day delivery and you know the more that they own that and are responsible for you know every piece of that the more that they can can sharpen it shorten it and and control it so i think it's more that and and this kind of uh their ongoing commitment to trying quicken delivery times and lower costs that they feel that if you know they'd rather have greater control over that to, to fulfill that mission than rely on someone else um, is this this also, however, could just be a negotiating tactic? I mean, here these guys are in some pretty intense discussions with uh, with UPS, with the United States Postal Service, with um, uh, FedEx, and more. Um, surely, knowing that they could say, "Hey, we don't have to take this; we we could launch our own delivery service." That's got to be some uh, some uh, leverage there. Yeah, and I think that they're also hearing that. The, the reverse from FedEx and UPS where even sometimes you talk to merchants and they feel like these sometimes these one-off deliveries, um, UPS and FedEx aren't that excited about them and if it's this kind of low-margin um, business for them. So I think I think that uh, leverage can, can go both ways. Spencer, is this also about, you know, 
Amazon being able to use other people's facilities and warehouses to store stuff so they don't have to keep building those mammoth, you know, facilities? I mean, does that help them in some way? Yeah, there's definitely like a congestion factor, especially in the holiday mm. season, where uh, Amazon simply can't build these facilities fast enough and hire people quickly enough. And so if they're able to tap into the space and the inventory right. Right. of their partners elsewhere, then they're then they're taking pressure off of their own system. This is this is the, like, so this brilliant. is this is what they did with with uh, with uh, third party sellers, right? Where they, where they sort of built up a bigger network of stuff so people supply inventory when they couldn't get enough inventory in busiest times. This is what they did with Amazon Web Services: built a computing supply much bigger than they would need in most days, but big enough to handle it for those few days when they have a massive computing need. And now they could do this with delivery. This is really really interesting that they could. Actually, go to the shippers, handle the, uh, the the long distance shipping with their plans, and go to the delivery without ever touching another third party source. Uh, and when they don't need it, they can start selling it to other people. And when they do need it, they can keep it for themselves. Yeah, and there and there is a, a, a discount factor where they can bring these people into their own billing system with UPS, FedEx, and get those discounts. Awesome stuff, Spencer. Uh, congratulations to like Big Scoop. Finn. Is it Huck Finn, like getting you to paint the fat? Remember? I don't know if Huck Finn was going for world domination, but it sure looks like Amazon is. Uh, Grace of Spencer Soper, who Great is in story. Seattle for us, uh, covering Amazon so well. You're listening to Bloomberg News Bloomberg Radio. This is Bloomberg.